0: Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times, too. Thank you for being here. This is Push Diaries Podcast, and I'm your host, Tess. Episode 43 Grief Share with Jan. We should start with a little introduction then. Yes, we should. Do you want to start? Why don't you start?
1: Well, um, I have no Tess tests for, oh, those years back in Cannon Falls when she was in the school days. I've got some, uh, and you being the same age as my daughter, Brittany. I have a few stories about Tess, especially from a trip to Italy.
0: I was hoping you- <laughs> we were going to talk about this. I literally thought about this yesterday. <laughs> you two went on. We have, a,
1: there's a couple of stories that, you know, just still kind of make me chuckle. But uh-huh. even from even before then, I mean, you guys went to what in your junior year or your senior year to, uh, to Italy? Um, but even before that, you did things with our family when we would do outings, especially uh, Things of Faith. Did you go along to Sunshine
0: with us? Yes, I was at Sunshine. Yep. That was so fun. I loved Sunshine. You know, that ended up being something that my dad and I would plan and go together and meet all, all the families. And it was a blast. Oh yes, my Yes,
1: I remember Bill being there. Right? Yep.
0: Yep, Brittany was there, Brady Smith was there, Ann Johnson was there, Caitlin Duncan, Jubal and Hanka, Lily Peters, Loda came one year. Remember the foreign exchange student Loda? Yeah.
1: So Sunshine is a music festival, Christian music festival that was done in Wilmer, Minnesota for years. The Fennerns always took a crew with us. Um, and so basically what it is, is you take a bunch of kids and you try and feed them and sleep them in the middle of a field of hay or whatever this, this yes. big open field was. It was very, was. Dry. It was we
0: very had,
1: dry. We had a, one RV and out of that RV, we had tents and food and shelter if needed, And but it was so much fun. It I think was- and we had um, 34 or 38 people out of uh, Camp Fenner in the middle of nowhere, out of an RV. So right. fun times! You really become bonded, uh, and it's hot and it's sweaty. And
0: now, were you were you there one of the years where we flooded and we had to dry everything because it had rained like three, like two okay. days in a row? Oh yeah
1: we all went we knew someone in wilmer who you must remember this we took everything to their house all of our and we just ran their dryer all night long because it happened at night so we all hopped in our cars went over bless our dear friends um and they housed the girls on one floor and the boys teen boys because my younger son colin and his friends were along so we had two levels of kids and you just kind of slept everywhere and anywhere and then literally all night we ran their dryer clothes sleeping bags everything because the bags got wet all of your clothes that were in it got wet the tents got wet uh so yeah that was that's some fun isn't it
0: yeah it was fun we saw Reliant K we saw Jeremy Camp Um, Gosh, was Rachel Lampa there? I remember I heard Vena for the first time. It was like a girl band, Christian music girl band group. All I know is that I got
1: backstage passes to the Newsboys. That was for all my hard work. I don't know. Somehow you guys wrangled it or somebody did that I got backstage passes to the Newsboys. So I was actually backstage watching them perform. So that was, that made it all worthwhile for me.
0: That's cool. That's so fun. Yeah, that was a good time. Okay. So now we have to talk one other about, thing that, that we yeah. did is we'd
1: also do uh, some Christian things. This particular thing was a, a revolve. I remember going to revolve with you and I have some cards that I keep in my Bible. This one was from my good friend, Lynn Mercer. Um, and so she wrote me a, a little thank you for taking the girls. I don't, I don't know who all went along, but you were among, well, actually, I do know who all went along. Um, thanks for taking our girls to Revolve, da-da-da-da. She says a few other things, and then all the girls signed in on this. And so I have a note from young Tess Paul. Uh, Let's see. I know I saw your name. I ran over, across this, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to hang on to this. Oh. Yeah so young Tess full says, thanks a lot for everything. You are the coolest mom. Right there. Your words. That's, they're her words. That's all I can say. Hey. Uh, Tess Pol, um what else do you have? OPS oh, and youngest looking. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that before. That's Tess, funny. what a charmer you were even back then. See, you knew, yeah, you knew your audience
0: looking. right then. Hey. You can you can age well, my friend. Some people look real raggedy at your age, and that is
1: you. Well, we don't have a very good internet connection right now. Otherwise, you would see the
0: final. Well, hey, me too. I feel like I'm. (laughs) My skin is so dry in this gross fall weather, but um, you're looking beautiful, though.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Yeah. So I remember when we went to Italy, Brittany and I had so much fun with Caitlin and Brady, Caitlin Duncan. And we had so much fun. We took pictures everywhere together. It's like all the pictures from Italy, Brittany's in over half of them. You know what I mean? It's Mm. like it was such a great trip. It was so fun. And I didn't budget very well for the trip with my spending money. I wanted to be able to spend more money. And Brittany was so sweet. She's like, Well, you can share my money. My mom can get me more money easy. (laughs) And so. I was like, really? Like, it's not a big deal. And she's like, absolutely, it's fine. And so, I, thanks to Jan Fenner, and I got to spend another two hundred dollars and didn't run out of money. You're welcome, girl. Oh, it was so nice. I just
1: went to Italy right before COVID hit, and. Man, there's a lot of things to spend money on it there, and so good. You yes. gotta go. You gotta live well while you're there. So
0: did you did something. you find fun stuff when you were over there? What did you enjoy about it? Ah, oh,
1: I loved everything about it. Oh my gosh. I, in fact, I would like to retire and live there for a couple months a year. I just loved it. I loved everything about it. We came into Rome. We flew into Rome. And then we went up to Tuscany and stayed at Montepulciano and the Siena area and had fabulous wine tours and Mm. uh, skipped our way through Tuscany. Then we went to Pisa, saw this tower that's leaning. (laughs) Did you go to Pisa? I would totally go, but we didn't go. I just think it's so funny that... The tower is actually on like their college of design, architecture and design. And I just looking at that leaning tower, I thought, wow, I wonder how hard it is to be an admissions counselor there, because here, here you have this leaning tower of Pisa. Come to our school. We obviously know what we're doing. So um, and right. from there, we went to Cinque Terre, uh, Florence. Oh, I love that. Florence Venice. is cool. We went up to Venice. Um, See, and we then, didn't get
0: to go to Venice. We were uh, going to go. We uh, were on like our final four days. And uh, they said, you know what? It doesn't make sense to go and come back down. We should have gone.
1: You should have gone. It was so fun. And we went back down to Rome, bid some of our travel companions goodbye, and then went down to southern Italy to, to we went down to Naples, saw Pompeii and Herculaneum. Wow! Uh, stayed at Capri and Positano. It, it was just beautiful. Spent another uh, week or ten days, and, and then came back up to Rome to look out. So, I think we had about three weeks there, and I would have, I could have stayed much longer. Amazing.
0: Yeah. So. Well, cool. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast, Jan. I know that with the holidays coming. We're getting right into it now, listen to me with the holidays coming it's a hard time for people right and I feel like especially with the pandemic it's been hard I don't know we're not back to normal yet in a lot of ways
1: mm-hmm. for sure you know I have really got a passion I um, lost my husband of thirty two years after an eighteen month battle with cancer three and a half years ago and I am really shocked at The layers of grief that happen when you lose someone. I mean, I always thought I was a compassionate person, and when somebody lost someone, oh, my heart went out to them, and oh, I just couldn't imagine what they had gone through. And that's the truth. You cannot imagine what somebody goes through, how final death is, and and what you go through for grief. You just until you've gone through it, you can't imagine. And God has really given me a ministry and a heart for those who have loved and lost and are hurting. Because, you know, before I would see somebody who had lost a spouse or a child, someone that they loved and think, you know, see them a year later and think, wow, they're dressed, they're looking good, they're looking like they're functioning. Wow, that's that's amazing amazing and you know they they must have they must have moved on or they must have uh, gone forward and that's just not the truth that always stays with you and by the way I hate the phrase and many who have lost hate the phrase moving on I'm not going to move on from this I'm going to move forward but I won't be moving on Dan's life and my life it's It's my life. It's who I am. And I'm not going to move on from that. I'll move forward, but not on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when you think about how much these people that we lose are in our lives every day, and then all of a sudden they're not there, it's how can you not think about them when you go to church on Sunday and they're not with you? Or they're not there for their birthday anymore. They're not there for your birthday anymore. And all those days in between, right? They they're not there to see Britney's kids make a first.
1: Well, it's just the it was just the fabric of your life. And that it's it decided who I was because I had this amazing partner in life. We had this wonderful family together. It changed who I was. I mean, we we're married for 33 years. It's, uh, it's who I am. And I just can't forget that no more than I can forget who I am. And so it it, uh, determined who I was. So but I I will move forward. I don't don't know if I'll be able to describe this very well. I once heard and for me, it's very true that grief is kind Kind of like this have you compared grief to like a major illness that you went through if you were to take uh the the pain and the um, the stress and everything that goes along with a major illness or a grief and would put it and and make it into a ball maybe the size of a softball and if you would drop that in, into a, a jar and and you know it would take up maybe a good majority of that jar. And that's not something that you can sustain, that kind of pain and grief to be taking up that much of your life. So with with an illness, you know, maybe six months down the line, the the pain will have gone, the the symptoms will have gone, the the effects of chemotherapy are done, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe six months down the the line, that ball is going to maybe now, instead of being softball size, it's going to be maybe the size of a of a baseball or a tennis ball and then maybe a year down the line when you drop that in that jar it's maybe going to be the size of a of a golf ball and then maybe later on the size of a marble so it's still in your life it still happened to you but compared to the jar and you know the rest of your life it's really just a marble size Um, when it comes to grief I think of it as you would drop that soft ball size grief in there at at the beginning and then rather than that ball getting smaller instead what happens is that ball stays the same size but the jar gets bigger and so you you still have that same size grief, but you grow uh beyond and around that so that that's not taking up the entire jar of your life it's not made up the entire content of your life, but you grow other places, but that grief pretty much stays the same.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, when you talked about his chronic pain, there are some symptoms too within these layers that can make it really hard for a person to grieve, right? And grieve well, if they're constantly distracted by pain or those difficulties, you know, you asked me right before we started to record how I deal with my pain. It's hard. I, you know, I, for sure, I need God. I need church. I need community. I need prayer. I need biblical teaching and education and I need time to be still. And, you know, I'm not very good at meditating. I need to practice more of that. I don't know if you have anything about meditation you want to share, but, I haven't, I don't know, I'm not good at making time for that, I guess, which isn't great. But, you know, how do I live with it? I mean, I got to keep moving. I have to keep my myself preoccupied with things. Like, you know, I, I'm working in hospice again as a patient care coordinator. So I answer the phones for hospice. Families call in. Um, it's a giant hospice organization. So people will call in. You know, we serve hundreds of patients on our census at any given time. And so families will call in at four in the morning and say, hey, my loved one just passed. They just took their final breath. and you know, I'll sit with them and and give them condolences. And a lot of times that first call they're making to us, they're in shock. They don't, Mm -hmm. sure, it just happened. They literally just took their last breath. But like, you know, Jan, in that moment, you're not, it's not fully hit you. You're just saying, Mm -hmm. hey, my loved one just died. Send a nurse, please, because I don't know how to call the funeral home and do all this stuff. Right.
1: But my question to you is, as I have explained before, uh, my husband's lived with chronic pain. And, um, mm-hmm. we called him Superman because he had an S on his chest. He just heroically went through that chronic pain. And,
0: mm-hmm. um, I
1: wish I would have, um, appreciated, you know, what he was going through. Instead, I was, you know, trying to, you know, uh, how can we help make this better? Should, should we up the pain? Should we do the? How can we keep, you know, food down you? What, what else can we try? You know, I was trying to help him like trick around it, um, and you know, he just was plowing through it. And and I wish I would have had it in me to be in the moment enough with him to say, man, Dan, how are you doing it? Tess, how are you getting up in the morning? What's the motivation when it hurts?
0: Well, I mean, you got to keep moving or you'll hurt more. If I just stop, I'll hurt more. I mean, I have an immense sense of hope. I always have. I I think I get that from my dad in a lot of ways, because he is just always so positive and hopeful and trusting in the plans that God or the universe or whatever people think Mm -hmm. have for them. And that's something that was innate. That's what I was going to say from a young age where I just feel it in my bones. I will say that with this chronic pain, it's a lot harder to deal with that with the pain just in my mid back it hurts way more that stuff hurts way more than like the in significant things a disability brings because yeah is it fun to be in a wheelchair all day no that's not fun but mm-hmm. it's an inconvenience it's not crippling to a point where i can't do anything for myself and so pain to me is a lot harder to deal with um I mean I I love Tyler, I love the kids in my family. Like I said it's been really hard. I haven't been able to see much of them in the past 2 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I do it? I mean, we all have to weigh our priorities in life, right? What where do we want to spend our spend our time? What energies do we want to pour into? And um those are the things that I guess I lean on. That's why a job is important. That's why Mm -hmm. getting together with friends is important. That's why going to my small group is important or watching church on Sunday. Um, I need to get back into moving. I guess the one thing that I'm trying to figure out how to tackle is how do I I keep moving and how do I keep working out when I am hurting? Because I don't want to go work out Mm -hmm. when I'm hurting. But I feel better when I work out, you know, when I get my arms moving and I lift weights. So.
1: Well, I know for Dan, um, it is what you first, you know, you nailed it right away when you said it's that foundation of faith. It's, you know, the belief in um, that God does have a plan for all of us. And Dan had that in spades. Um, But also, you're practical. uh, and, And Dan, that struck me. I kind of smiled. Um, When when you said that, because it's very true, that's Dan would have been all about the practical. Uh, Well, if I don't move, keep moving, what's the alternative? (laughs) You know, it's still going to hurt even if I, you know, sit back and wallow in it and, you know, let's go. You know, and so um, I I think that that was an answer from you. Uh, That's probably would have been Dan's answer. So that's a sweet thing. So thank you for sharing that.
0: Well, yeah, of course. And, you know, just like all of us in life, I know, you know, for me, not knowing if I was going to be a parent ever, that was always a tough thing to give up. You know, when we talk about priorities, I thought, man, I really want to have a family of my own and grow that love and grow that hope and grow that faith. Because if you're growing that stuff, and it's in your tree, in your inner Mm -hmm. circle, it's going to just bless you long term just like jan you're saying your jar is growing your ball mm-hmm. of grief is still very much there but how how much bigger has your jar gotten with the love you have for not only Brittany and colin but the mm. families that they're growing it's almost wow. like the world is expanding right before you and how can you not share joy in that
1: i see life through a completely different set of lenses, completely different um, priorities are um, are much different than what they were before. Uh, it's I just am wearing a different set of lenses. I see life so much richer, uh, much more valuable. Uh, friendships, relationships, more valuable. Working on, and I still work am working on this using my Time effectively. I think after a grief, this is my experience at least, after grief happens, as you had stated earlier, Tess, you're in shock at first. There's just, you're just moving very mechanical. And I would say that was me for the first year. When you lose, in my case, a spouse, you actually lose a partner. We were married for 33 years. He had his stuff that he did to contribute to the family. I had my stuff that I did. Although I I usually remind God that Dan was more of a person than I was sometimes in a very practical way. So it's like, God, are you sure you took the right one? Because he sure did a lot to kind of keep the ship afloat. You know, I did nothing with our finances. Um, I did nothing with vehicles, maintaining them, (laughs) basic day-to-day stuff. I didn't take out the garbage. I just, I had, I had really a strong learning curve. I did not pay any of our bills. I didn't even know where they came from or where they went to. I didn't get the mail out of the mailbox for crying out loud. I know. And people are probably wondering, what did she do?
0: She's a lucky, they're all thinking, (laughs) wow, she's a lucky woman. It was a kept
1: woman. He just really was, again, he had an S on his chest. Um, So yeah, Superman did all of those things. So when he passed away, the first year was really just, like keeping the lights on, you know, learning how to do all that stuff. And um, so I think, that, and that's it it, for a lot of people, you just are kind of mechanically going through your days and just um, doing, and as we say, um, an organization that I work with is called Grief Share. Um, And I um, facilitate 13-week group sessions through our church through Riverwood. And that's one thing that they say is in those first years is to just do the next thing. Just if it's get out of bed, good. Just do the next thing that needs to be done. So I think that's the way most of my first year was spent. Um, and so year two and year three, and if there are people listening who are just fresh and grief, they're not going to want to hear this. But some say, and I would agree with it, that the second and the third year can almost be harder because you've finally now gotten some of those, um, those things in your life settled that, okay, now I know how to do this. Now I know. Because if you had a a partner or if you lost a child and if you were involved in that child's life and, you know, were going to sporting events with that child and, you know, if that child was that part of your life, if they were, if they were a baby, you were caring for them, if they were, you know, a, a young elementary school uh, child, you were caring for that. And, you know, if they were teen, you you were involved in maybe sports or extracurriculars. So there's a void there, and so you have to work around filling that void. As with Dan, I had it's not just the initial grief; it's those secondary losses as well. Somebody who knows how to pump gas very important. That's an important life skill. Pump gas. Just the the bills for me, and the you know, and even though Dan had most things set up on automatic payment, there were things that I had to pay taxes on our home i had to you know pay those things so that first year was just learning those things it kind of dawns on you that okay this this is it this is permanent now kind of where do i go from here and those are tough things to work through
0: yeah how did that compare to when Brittany and Colin were out of the house and didn't live with you anymore? How did the empty nesting change from kids to also losing a husband?
1: Mhm. Um mostly when I when the kids left um well when we moved our second one out to co- to to college when we were going to take him up to the U um, uh, that morning I woke up and um, I looked at my husband and, and I burst into tears and said, well, Anna, I guess from here on out, it's just me and you, and, you know, <laughs> I cried, cried. Uh, but that's, that's the truth. I at least still had Dan when the kids left. I mean, Dan and I, we went into a whole nother almost woohoo kind of uh, life where we didn't have to. It, it was ours, we could do what we wanted to do, yeah, um in the case of losing a spouse, you lose that partner. You just you lose that partner in crime, and uh, for me, Dan and I were together in high school. We were high school sweethearts, so I also lost a history of myself. Nobody knew me like Dan did, yeah, and p s he still loved me, so there was yeah, a lot to be said there.
0: So you met you guys met like what in seventh grade? I want you to tell me about what you thought of Dan before you were we met
1: in my um it when I was in Dan was already out of school. He was four years older than me, so I was in my senior year when we met, and we just I think when you meet and 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 marry young that it's going to go one of two ways because you're you're punks we were kids you know we're just punks what did we know about life so i think you know you grow and at that point you either are going to grow together or unfortunately grow apart and we were fortunate enough to grow together to you know find out what our likes and dislikes were and kind of drag that other person along to our likes like i love to travel and so you know I brought Dan along for that Dan loved to snowmobile Uh, he loved the North Shore which is where I'm at right now so he drugged me along and I've since developed a love for the North Shore and um, so anyway so we grew together so I'm I'm happy about that but it's still the history test like you know we can talk about people that we knew you know way you know back in our high school days back in you know back in walnut grove minnesota the little house on the prairie and we have that you know in common and now i just feel like i've lost that like if you know something would come up friends from whenever back i could ask him "Hun, you know do you remember this or do you remember that and oh yeah he would or 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 he wouldn't as well, you know, but I, I've lost that. That's another one of those secondary losses. I've lost that little reference or, you know, and certainly all of the inside jokes and, and that, um, intimacy of that person who knows you inside now. So,
0: yeah, yeah, it's, you know, we, we can, we, you and I both talk about faith and how important faith is to get through things. And that's another loss, is Dan, I'm sure, helped your faith be that much more um, strong. And you trusted your faith and Dan's faith and your faith together as a couple mm-hmm. so much stronger. And to lose a pillar, because mm-hmm. he really was a pillar in your life. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, all of a sudden you look down and it's like you're looking off a skyscraper and Dan yeah. used to be right there.
1: Yeah, my faith has never uh, been stronger than what it is now because I've had to absolutely rely on God for everything. I uh, had a friend shortly after Dan's death who would just send me cards with scripture. On, just little note cards. I put them in a, a file and ended up having quite a stack of scripture that I went through. And sometimes during the day, I call myself a card carrying member. I had actually carry scripture around. Just it strengthened me. It gave me peace. It gave me hope. You know, just those those words, those promises from God's word. Um, I've always loved the Psalms anyway, and they just have so much rich Words about God and who he is and and his promises for us and his great love for us. And so literally, I carried that around to remind me and to it it just gave me strength and comfort.
0: Yeah. Is there any Bible verse that sticks out in your mind that you want to share or a couple that that have been most healing for you?
1: One thing that kind of was my battle cry is is from Job. In this group that I facilitate, they do talk about the life of Job. And for those who don't um, might not know his story, he in one day he lost everything. He lost his um, his children in a a terrible accident, his um, health. uh, He was a very affluent man. He lost all of his wealth. Um, everything except his wife. And um, so he he went through some wrestling with God. And one of the um, things that Job says is, um, though thou slay me, yet I will trust in thee. And I I had determined that I will trust God through this. I don't understand it. I don't like it. It hurts. It is overwhelming. i Feel like it'll pull me under but through it all i will trust in god um and just so many other things from the psalms um, god is our refuge and strength and ever-present help and trouble i wait for the lord my whole being waits and in his word i will put my hope i cry out for help when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the towering rock of safety, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Just so many things that just really. Yeah.
0: really- I love that one, too. Yeah. There's always more about situations we can understand. Right. There's always more that we could seek to know and to find. So those are some good ones, too. I love the jars of clay one, too, where it talks about how he's constantly molding us. And, you know, we might not be able to see the big picture, but there is one there. Yeah, it's it's hard. And, you know, I, Jan, I've lost my ability to walk, right, and my ability to not have chronic pain all the time, but I don't know what it's like to lose somebody that I love absolutely dearly that's in my life all the time. I really don't. Like, you know, I've lost my grandparents, and they were really close to me, and I lost... My fiancé's grandparents, they lived in this house that we're in now. They they were family members out here in Michigan that I loved to come visit. They were sweet. Mm-hmm. Tyler's grandfather died of ALS last winter, and his wife, Ruth, died like 30 days after he died of dementia mm-hmm. and a broken heart, we say. Mm-hmm. they They were married 60 years or something, and... Mm-hmm. They died 30 days apart and I miss them. I miss them. There's a hole here and I wasn't married to them. So I know I'd miss them even more if I was.
1: Well, I would have this advice for those who um, have have, who know people who are going through grief. I would just tell you to to show up. Um, If it's anything that I have learned, it's, you know, so many times people are so uncomfortable with death and they don't know what to say and oh they don't know it just makes people uncomfortable it's uncomfortable to think about you know it it might be them sometime who's got front row at a funeral you know nobody wants that and and sometimes I think when there's a a funeral or a, not even the wake in the funeral but the the weeks and months afterwards all I can tell people is show up. I would say show up and shut up. That's the two pieces of advice that I would give. Show up, be there, be supportive. You don't have to say anything. There are no magic words. In fact, sometimes, well, heaven is a lucky place right now because you're, you know, good thing that when you know he's in heaven. Yeah, that is a good thing, but I still miss him. So that's not always helpful or, oh, aren't you glad it went quickly or at least it was drawn out for six years so that you could say goodbye. None of that is applicable. It happened quickly. You always want more time. Right. Uh, you had six years. No, we didn't because in six years I got to watch my loved one go through pain and shrivel down to a hundred pounds and, you know, so just don't say, anything. yeah, don't show tell me that I'm lucky to have up. him right, like that, right, just yeah, show up and shut up, if you have anything to say, let it be of good memories of that loved one, my favorite people are those who knew Dan, and who come up and say, I remember this about Dan, I remember that about Dan, and after someone has died, people are, mm, they're kind of tight-lipped, like, well, I don't want to bring it up because I don't know if they think I've forgotten or, you know, and if it's a child. Oh, sometimes people just don't want to bring up a child or bring up that child. Um, we had lost our first child, actually, um, right before birth. Uh, our first son, Andrew, was still born at full in 40 weeks. And uh, it was very painful, obviously. Was our first child. We had no other children. But nothing but empty arms to go home to. I had a girlfriend, Chris Yort. Uh, now Chris Goblish. She was back then, who was not married herself. You know, it was we were a young couple. So we had some friends who were still single, yet some that were married. She was a single friend. She gave me the greatest gift through my mourning and my grieving with Andrew. She took it upon herself to seek out another friend who had children, and I believe had even lost a child, took the time to go to her and say, I am hurting so badly for my, my friend Jan right now. What is it that I could tell her? How is it that I could help her? And one of the things that she said was to remember that baby at different stages of his life, remember Andrew. And so, about six months later, I know we were making dinner because I remember I was chopping in the kitchen. And you know, we were six months down the road, so a lot of people were not wanting to mention anything baby around me. Um, she walked in the door for dinner and she just said, oh, You know, Jan, I just really miss Andrew right now. I would really miss being a honorary auntie to Andrew. Because right now he would be six months old and that's my favorite age. He'd be crawling and, 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 and the tears fell from my eyes as I was chopping. But they were not tears of sadness. They were tears of healing and yeah. of gratefulness for my friend who would too. bring that yeah. up. But that, those were just good healing tears. So bring up those who have lost your if you bring tears they're healing tears and not hurting tears
0: yeah yeah i i feel that i i've you know again i the only thing i can compare this grief to for me is the loss of my physical abilities and mm-hmm. watching my sister's kids you know run up the hill and go sledding down and look auntie watch me and i'm down on the deck watching them do that It's hard, but I'm still so grateful that that we can share these moments, even though it looks different. And we want that, too, for people that have lost loved ones, because it is important Mm -hmm. to remember what would my brother do during the holidays if he was still here? Or what would my child do if they were still here? And I love that your friend did that for you. That's Mm -hmm. pretty incredible. And, you know what, Jan, you think about that baby all the time. Mm hmm. That that baby was my, my first pregnancy. It
1: was my first baby, and life would have been different, so much different, had he lived. And yeah, um, and, and I have two other children that I I love dearly, but this was still part of again the fabric of who I am. I my first child is in heaven. Yeah, and I, I it's I, it's the fabric of who I am. I'll tell you what, I believe it made me be a much better mother for Britt and for Colin uh, than what I ever would have been without having had that, without having had, had gone through that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So do you do you think about obviously the answer is yes. You think about him, what he would be like today
1: Mm-hmm. and around. Around his birthday, I just think, wow, that is, you know, that's been that many years ago. I would, you know, I would I would have that 36 year old child right now. And also, it gives me great joy to know that Dan is with that child, that it it was really difficult. And I think this is one of the difficulties that um, that I have heard. Um, For those who have lost a child and who have gone before their parents, you know, as a parent, you go places first and, you know, you kind of pave the way for your child or you have many experiences. When a child is is has died and gone through death, that's not something that you've gone through as as a parent. And, you know, I just feel better for both of them that Dan has, has, is there as well. I don't know if yeah. that sounds odd or not.
0: Yeah, no, it may, that makes sense.
1: I was just going to talk a little bit about um, Grief Share, the grief group that I facilitated. Yeah. Grief Share is a national organization. They have a website. It's Grief Share, uh, one word, dot org. I don't, Work for them. I'm not uh, advertising for them. I'm not. Uh, it's just a, a just an organization that puts together a very good uh, s- series on grief. It was brought to our church by um, Sharon Callister Huebner from Cannon Falls, Nathan and Connie Backstrom. Do you know them? They lost their three sons to a drunk driver. Sharon yes. had lost her husband, um, Colin. Um and her husband, her current husband, Jerry Hubner had lost um his wife as well. Um, our pastor who had lost his daughter, Val. Um, so it, it, they were they had found this grief share and they had started it actually when Dan was sick. They did the first series, which offered in spring and fall. When Dan was ill, and then I went through the second series, and then I've been going ever since. I went through it a second time because oftentimes you don't catch everything the first time that it goes through, that you go through it. And then they've asked me to facilitate, and I've been facilitating since then. So I don't know how many I've done, maybe maybe six or seven of them. Anyway, it's what it is. The premise of it is it's a 13-week course. You have a video that you watch. There's a workbook that accompanies it uh, that you can take notes off of. It's very scriptural. It's very biblical. Also, just very practical. It starts with a video series. You hear from professionals what to expect, the things that you're, you're going through. In fact, what hooked me on Grief Share is the very first video that I watched. I had always been a person who was all about safety, buckle up, look, look again, look across the street, look again, look one more time. Safety was really like a huge thing for me. In fact, I was doing some things with the city years and years ago. And out on Highway 52, they put a new sign up that said, buckle up for safety. The kids were like, Mom, you, you, Got in on putting that sign up. You made them put that sign up, didn't you? And I'm like, no, I, I didn't. And they're like, yeah, mom, that's you. That I they did not believe me. They thought I put it because I was always like, buckle up. Let's look again. Let's look again. Like really to the point of da, 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 da. after Dan's death, I didn't care if I put on my seatbelt. I didn't care if I looked when I crossed the street. That shift in me was disconcerting, even to myself. Because I knew I didn't have that fear of death or I just didn't care like I did. So that was unsettling to me. The very first video series that I watched, one of the um one of the presenters, speakers that they had said exactly that. You might see that you have this shift, that you know, things safety, it it you it's not that you're suicidal. You just don't have that much of a fear of death. And I thought, wow, okay, that explains it. That lets me think I may be a little bit normal in these feelings. Otherwise, that shift was really disconcerting to me. So they give you very practical things that you might be experiencing this, and it's okay, or it's a part of it. So then after we go through a video series, we do have a time for um, a support group and a time to Talk with others who have been there and who understand what you're going through. There's a workbook that you can take home that also gives you exercises to do during the week, keeping you in the Bible, focusing on the word of God, taking it apart and, and really trusting in the promises that God has. So this grief share has been really an amazing thing. So at Riverwood, we offer it two times a year in spring and and fall. We're just finishing up on our fall series. We are also going to be offering a holiday grief share. It's just a one night only, and we are offering it on Tuesday, December 7th at 6.30 p.m. You could sign up. um, If anyone's interested in going, you can sign up on the website, griefshare.org. And what it will go through is the difficulty of the holidays. This season, it is so hard to to keep up the appearances to, to go through this time when you're hurting.
0: Do people ever do it online? Or if not, how many people usually are there, Jan? I know it's probably different when you talk about the 13 weeks or the one day thing, but how has it grown? And, you know, I know you talked about Folks that lose their children or their spouses or a grandparent, Um, is there a majority in the makeup of your group of what the type of loss is? Everything that is said in our group is
1: confidential. And in respecting that, I will just tell you some of that we have. It's all over the board. We've had people who've lost their spouses, their children, their parents, friends. just any type of a loss and it and we've had some of everything and we've had it as recent as months to as far out as 10 years and people are still dealing with this grief that won't they just hadn't dealt with before in a healthy way and so they're there just to help through that and we have seen so much tremendous growth in people um, talked about that jar uh, getting bigger. We, I just, I can often see weekly how people are growing and able to share and come to grips and and deal and lean into their faith. You know, we're, when you're dealing with grief, you don't want to use words like, you know, try and go over it or around it or under it. You know, you go through grief. You have to go through it. If you try and go around it or, you know, avoid it, it's it's going to come back and haunt you. It may be 10 years later, but it will come back. And so uh, we've just seen a lot of success with it. And our, our numbers run anywhere from, usually we have four or five to, I think we've had it groups as big as probably 10 or 12, which you really don't want a much bigger than that because then you, you lose some of the personal communication with one another and the the sharing of of their story and we do want to hear their story as only we can hear it as someone who's gone through it so and so as only we can understand it.
0: Yeah yeah I wonder if the future of your group is two different groups with two different people facilitating if you keep growing it's I could understand how that would really I mean, you need all the time you can get to right with each individual. If you get too big, it's almost like you have to have two hour sessions instead of one hour. Right. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, our sessions already go two hours. We have the video portion of it and and then the discussion part of it. COVID introduces a new and horrifically complicating factor into grief. We have gone online with our Grief Share because we were partway through a session and everything closed down. So we have had success with Zoom. We don't like it as well. There's um, something better, I believe, in being there personally. So we've gone from Zoom groups to mass groups to you know, socially distanced groups. Um, and, and so currently we are meeting in person socially distanced, masking optional. Uh, That's all subject to change depending on what the guidelines is that the guidelines are that we have to follow. But I will tell you that COVID is a complicating factor. When we went through the isolation, I will tell you that nothing puts the punctuation mark on you are alone other than to be isolated from everyone. The challenges that COVID presented as far as funerals, being able to care, how about just hugs at a, at a funeral or a wake? Someone that I know is just now able to do a funeral for his wife who died the weekend that Governor Walls shut everything down in Minnesota. He has been waiting until they were able to have a, a funeral that he felt would honor his wife and so to have that grief delayed he was fortunate enough he became a part of our group and uh, you know has worked through that but for many people grief is either delayed or they don't have the support around that we would traditionally see people would have uh, in others showing up in as i said just the the hugs at a at a funeral if you do a zoom funeral, you don't have that connection with other people. So I encourage you, if you know somebody who is lost, even if you're not able to physically be with them, phone calls, letters, uh, dropping off food, or just show the love.
0: Yeah, that's a great reminder. I mean, for a time when so many people are feeling alone, and disconnected, and isolated, and unloved... It's a really good way to show that, absolutely.
1: Tess, the stages of grief, anger, all of those uh, are really kind of old school. They don't really think that you need to go through those stages and certainly not in any particular order. So if you're not feeling a horrendous amount of anger, it's not that you're not doing it right. Uh, I didn't have a lot of anger and I had acceptance. And that's the ultimate goal that you really want to get to is acceptance of this. In Grief Share, they have six kind of goals that they would want you to reach. They're not stages. They're nothing that you have to go through. But six of the goals that Grief Share talks about, the number one is acceptance. Number two would be the importance of turning to God. A third one would be an ability to express your emotions in a, in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Four is to establish a new identity. And for a long time, in fact, I do still struggle with establishing a new identity. Five would be moving forward. Again, not moving on, but moving forward. And then six to store or remember the memories. Because as I said, that ball's not getting smaller. You still have, I still have 35, 36 years of memories with Dan. They're going to stay the same. And so those are kind of the goals that grief share sets forward. But certainly, as back to your point of if someone doesn't have a good relationship with someone that they love or that they loved, uh, there's they still have to go through that loss. There's still a loss there. And for some, there might be some regrets. like why did why were my last words what they were? Those are the things you still need to work through. Yeah, grief um, share helps with that. And I should let it be known that grief share is a is a nationwide organization, and you can look up and find their grief share meetings all over the state in, in different places, in churches, in different areas. So look up and see what's close to you and um, and attend that. They've got they, they all follow the same format, and I just really think it's a good a good program for grief.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for sharing all of that. Community is a big reason why this grief share thing works, right? And knowing that you're mm-hmm. not alone. And, you know, that's one thing that yes. I really love about this podcast, too, is because people might listen to your interview in 2030. I mean, seriously, it it's not um, always time sensitive, And maybe someone will feel really lonely and they'll be listening to this and it will help them get through that night. And that is truly one of the reasons why I think this podcast stuff is so cool, because technology isn't going anywhere. And this is always going to be one way that people have community. So um, I'm really appreciative of you sharing what you have and, you know, being willing to talk about it. And let people know that there are programs out there that they can be a part of to help them get through mm-hmm. some of it mm-hmm. and go and through. And a reminder
1: it. to those who haven't gone through it, how to support those who have gone through it.
0: Yeah. And that's important, right? Because, sure, we might not individually, some of us be able to say, yep, I've lost my best friend or I've lost my spouse. Mm-hmm. But we all know someone who's lost mm-hmm. someone very near and dear to them, Um and oftentimes i do wonder how can i be there for them how can i remember them and and you're right remembering those anniversaries and sharing in the 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 hurt that our loved ones are going through and experiencing and not letting them sit in that by themselves is pretty powerful are there things your kids have said to you that have has really turned a light on Where it really resonated with you or you felt, I don't know if pride is the right word or feeling, but something that you've seen maybe even Dan in them where you're like, wow, I'm proud of you for looking at that like your dad would look at. Am I making sense? Yeah, you are. Well, first of
1: all, when Dan was ill and and going through the cancer treatment, he battled for um, 18 months. I had just everything I could do to care for Dan to be his caregiver and, and to be his advocate and, and to walk through this, you know, everything that's involved with cancer and chemotherapy and radiation. I really didn't have much of a chance to have a pulse on what my kids were going through, and that's not typical of me. We were a close family, and um, we, we usually did know what one another were going through, but this is brief such a personal thing for each and every one. Um, but my kids have gone through it very well. I'm very proud of both of them. But I will tell you something just recently that my daughter pointed out to me. We were talking with some friends about my philosophy on life is always you go through different chapters of your life. And I always want to live my life in a way that when a chapter closes, I want it to have been well read or well written I should say, so that when I close it, it's okay that I closed it. it was a it was a it was a well written chapter and then I made the offhanded comment that except for this chapter, this chapter doesn't because it's just been horrific. It's just not a book I wanted to read, not a chapter I wanted to go through, nothing. And my daughter really challenged me in that and said, you know, Mom, how, how can you say that? You know, I, the, you have the boys, you do a lot with grief share, you have, you know, how can you say that? And I thought, yeah, what is missing? And she really challenged me. To take a look and see what is missing as I'm moving forward. And so I'm grateful for that because I am really taking a look at that and, and deciding what do I want things to look like. Being purposeful. I, so far I feel like I've just kind of been, you know, brought along by the winds of, you know, the, the first year of just getting through it. The second year of, oh, this is painful. the third You know, now I want to start you know, with the help of God and by his guidance, making some clear decisions and making some clear plans. And I guess I've never planned anything for, well, now five years, if you consider from when we got that initial cancer diagnosis to now. And so I'm at a point where I think I want to start making some goals and doing some things for myself. And so I really have been spending some time with God in meditation oh no not really it's really not meditation it's honestly tess you asked about meditation earlier in the I don't even know prayer kind, of is, so. prayer
0: it, kind it, of is though but kind of is meditation that, in a way that's
1: what it is tess it's just a constant conversation with god all day long i don't have a little zen room that i hop into and light anything nothing's nothing Nothing's twinkling, or and I'm not facing a specific direction. And nothing. It's just a constant conversation with God. That's what my life is, and that's great meditation right there. Um, Yes, it is. So I have been in meditation with God as to what that looks like. So I'm really, I'm really thankful that Britt took issue with that, and you know, really called me on it and said, you know, how can you say that? And if if you are saying that, what are you going to do to change your life so that you have so that when this chapter does close, and I believe it will, I believe that God will restore a marriage to my life. And when this chapter ends, what is that going to look like? So I'm challenged to do that. So yeah, yeah, I'm very proud of her that she that she identified that and called her mama on the carpet.
0: Right? Yeah, I don't know. I Is there anything about the days before Dan passed that you feel like you should share to help people know what to expect when their loved one is going through a terminal diagnosis? Is there anything that is enlightening that you want to share about that time? And maybe this is a longer conversation for another day, but I mean, he was sick for how many years before he passed?
1: So Dan had a kidney transplant in 1996 and he lived with some chronic pain, lots of medications that you needed to have uh, so that he wouldn't reject his transplanted kidney. So he he was seeing doctors throughout his life, most of um, our uh, married life. But the last 18 months before he died it was really painful 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 and that's when we were battling and I would say that that would be a conversation for another time because the ups and downs the ins and outs the overs the unders you've been run over by a truck uh, all of that stuff that's
0: a painful place yeah yeah
1: it is it is
0: Well, how about this? This is maybe a lighter question, and maybe you don't have all the answers, but what does the next 10 years look like in your life? What things do you want to accomplish that you're not at yet now?
1: That's exactly what I'm seeking the Lord for right now. That is exactly what I'm seeking the Lord for, because I want this chapter, as I said, to be well-read, and so I just am deciding what... just looking to God and saying, what do you have for me? For instance, um, as the jar gets bigger, I would never have been on a podcast. I don't even listen to podcasts. Uh, so, like, you, good for you. It, like, you you know how uh, I was just really, this is really, really out of my comfort zone. And you know that, Tess, because I've put you off for, what, six
0: months, maybe? And that's, But that's okay, because like I said, this isn't something I want to be done with in a month. Like... People might, again, be listening to this in five years and be like, huh, interesting. I never would have thought, you know, and there's so many people out there, Jan. We all touch people's lives in different ways. It doesn't have to be this way. Um, But just like in your community where you're talking at your grief share, there are relationships there that you probably never thought you would have and, and yeah, for community sure. that you have with people that you never thought would ever exist. And here they are. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, you talked to my cousin who went through this with that. And isn't it amazing too? the parallels in our hurt, even when they're not the same? I gave an example about losing my mm-hmm. physical abilities we could be so much more empathetic and kind to those going through an addiction or going through depression Mm -hmm. or in anger management because of what we have lost. And we know Mm -hmm. it's like to not have that pillar of stability Mm -hmm. in our lives anymore. It looks so different. So
1: Mm -hmm. my jar is infinitely larger than what it ever was before because of, because of the things that I've done in response. Response to what has happened to me. And, and there are things that have come very naturally for me to, to do because I want to help anyone who's struggling through this time of grief because by God's grace, I have pushed through and, and I want to help anyone who is struggling.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. It's been wonderful to see you. And, you know, like you said, Pour on the people that need some pouring on, right? If there's somebody that you know that's hurting or missing someone that they really loved and cared about, check in on them. Drop off a Mm -hmm. baked item. Write that letter. Yes, you're Mm -hmm. right, Jan. It's uncomfortable to have conversations sometimes, but be willing to sit there with people. Is there any other Mm -hmm. advice you can give as the holidays approach as we say goodbye tonight?
1: Yes. Um... I would say to be kind to yourself through this holiday season. Make a plan for what you're going to do. Expect that you will have some rough patches and it's okay. It will get better. But be, be kind to yourself um, if you're going to. To an event, or if you have expectations, it's of uh, others have expectations of you. It's also okay to say no or to pare things down. Maybe you did things huge before over the holidays. It's okay to pare them down. If you have, you're getting pressure to, to go someplace and you feel like you need to go there drive yourself so that you have a way out, make, allow for yourself an escape route to get out of a situation. Also prepare some answers to some questions because you're going to get some. Um, how are you doing is always the, the the question and decide because when sometimes people ask that they don't want to hear the whole Guts out there. This is how it is. But have have an answer prepared so that you can say that. And and if it gets
0: too tough, you can bow out of things. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That's a great. That's a great thing and a great thing to remind people of when we're going to be surrounded by family and some of us not right. Some of us might not be with family this year and that's okay.
1: And everyone is joy to the world and you don't quite you're not quite feeling that joy to the world that's yeah
0: yeah well thank you you know I am really excited for people to hear about the the grief share at any time in their life because like I said we all have stuff that's going on in our lives whether someone's going to rehab now or you know starting counseling up because they know winter's going to be long there's something, there's something for everybody to just, like I said, be more understanding. So again, thank you for coming on and sharing a little bit about your story, Jan. I really appreciate it. Well, good to see you too, my dear. Yeah, you too. Say hi to your family for me. I will. Thanks, Jess. God bless you. All right. Take care. Bye, my dear. Bye. We hope you all have a very Happy holidays and a peaceful time, whatever you and your family are celebrating. Thank you so much for being here. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast, too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com. And consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pushdiariespodcast. Thank you for listening.